Please join me in reading a special Advent prayer for illumination, which you will find printed in your bulletin. As your Holy Spirit spoke to the prophets of God, speak to us now through your word, that by listening to your voice, we too will make a way for your joy to come into the world. Today's lesson is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice, and I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'll ask all the grown-ups to be seated, and if there are any children in the sanctuary who want to come forward and join me up here, please do. And if you're worshiping from home and want to get a little closer to your screens, that would be great too, because this moment is for you. Good morning, good morning. Glad to see all of you. It's almost Christmas Day. Almost ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus. So you may have noticed that in church for these few weeks before Christmas, we've been talking about getting ready and preparing the way. And one of the ways we do that is lighting our Advent wreath candle. With every week, we light one more candle. This week, our third candle is a different color. What color is that? Pink. How many of you like pink? I love pink. Yeah, pink's a great color. Well, the reason it's pink is because it's a candle of joy. And it sort of reminds us of the rose and what a joy is all about. 
So as I've been thinking about joy, I remember a song that I learned when I was about your age. Maybe you know it too. I'm going to sing it through once, and then I'm going to have us all sing it together, okay? It goes like this. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay. All right, we're going to sing it. you got to smile while you sing it, okay? Because it's all about joy. And I'm going to ask everybody in this half of the sanctuary to sing the joy, joy, joy. This half gets to say, where? And Stacy and Shannon are going to help with that part, okay? And you can choose. You can sing or you can say where. You get to choose, all right? Ready? I'm going to take it up a little key because that was a little low. Mm -hmm. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to that reminds me that joy is something God gives us way down in our hearts. It's that we know God loves us no matter what. Sometimes we're happy, sometimes we're sad, sometimes we're mad. We have all sorts of feelings, but we can always have joy because we know God loves us. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for the birth of Jesus, that you came to be one of us as a little baby to show us how much you love us. Help that joy be way, 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 way down in our hearts and we'll always know it's there and that nothing will ever change it. Help us to be joyful this season and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for singing with me. Three, four, and five-year-olds can go to Children's Church with Pastor Stacy and Pastor Maggie. And if you're older than that, you can go back and sit with parents or friends. Y'all did great with that. That was fun. It was really big from here. It sounded great. <laughs> so over these past three weeks of Advent, we have been led by the voice of the prophet in the book of Isaiah. We've spent most of our time in the very last part of the book of Isaiah, hearing the words of the prophet speaking to a particular people at a particular moment in their history. In this latter part of Isaiah, if you've been here the past couple of weeks, you've heard me say what we think was happening in that time was that the people of Israel were gradually returning to the land. <clears throat> they had been overrun by the Babylonian army, Jerusalem destroyed, the temple torn down, many of their peoples dragged away into exile, and they are perhaps beginning to recover from that. But they are looking around and seeing a land in devastation, a land in rubble. And so the prophet speaks into this moment with words of hope, with words of promise, with words of peace, and even words of joy, reminding them that they are God's people, that God sees them, that God is with them and always has been. And in the reading for today, the prophet's voice arises from the rubble and says, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the oppressed, freedom to the captives, liberation to the prisoners, 
And we can imagine that he's talking to these people who have been captives and who have been oppressed and are now seeing signs perhaps of their liberation. So in some ways, these words are a word for a particular people at a particular time. But we fast forward a few hundred years and we hear these words again, this time in the New Testament, this time coming from the mouth of Jesus himself. In the fourth chapter of Luke, the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry, he goes into his hometown synagogue in Nazareth and he preaches his first sermon. They hand him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he opens it up to these verses. Now he mixes in a little bit from chapter 58 and he leaves out the verse about God's vengeance. Very interesting. We'll talk about that some other time. But these words come out of the mouth of Jesus. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce that the time has come of God's favor, the year of jubilee when all debts are forgiven. And there are many who say this is Jesus' mission statement, that he will spend his life and his teachings reaching out to the poor, to the marginalized, to the least, to the lost, to the lonely. And we see that lived out in his life and in his ministry. And so we hear these words today as a particular people in a particular time and place. And I don't know about you, but there's a part of me that, that wrestles with these words. It happened right after Jesus' sermon. You see, he read the text from Isaiah and then he started preaching. And he gave two examples of, of God's ministry among the oppressed, the poor, the needy. The first example was Elijah's ministry to a widow of Zarephath, an outsider. She was not a Jewish woman. The second example he gives is of Naaman, the military captain of the Assyrian army, also not a Jewish person. And so here he is preaching in his hometown synagogue, announcing God's good news for them, the ones outside the walls. And the congregation did not like it. They got so angry at Jesus, they dragged him out of the synagogue and tried to throw him over a cliff. But it was brand new in his ministry and he managed to escape from them and continue his public ministry elsewhere. But there's something in me that resonates with that congregation in Nazareth. To feel like the good news of God is, is, is for them and not for me. I bump up against that in these verses when, when it's announced that there is good news for the poor and for the oppressed and for the prisoner and the captive because I'm not any of those things. I've never been poor. I have everything I need and most of what I want. I, I don't experience oppression in, in any real concrete or regular way. I've never been imprisoned or captive. So I wonder, as we read these verses, am I in them? Do you struggle to see yourself in this promise of good news for the world? Well, if you do, if you find yourself resonating with that, let's go together a little more deeply into these words of Isaiah and the words of Jesus to see where we find ourselves and how this word is good news for all people, including me.
and including us. The first place I begin to to see that stirring is this reminder of the prophets and of Jesus, of God's vision and hope for the world. That God's will for the world is that there would be no poverty. There would be no poor people. That there would be no captives or those who are imprisoned. That there would be no brokenness like we see in our world. This is God's hope for all creation, that all of God's people and all of creation would be flourishing and there would be enough for everyone and that we would all see our oneness as a human race and build that world together. I believe that that is God's dream and hope and purpose for creation. And that is something I can can be part of. First, by looking around and recognizing and naming those ways and those places where we're not there yet, where we can see the injustice in our world, where we can see the brokenness and the pain. This past week, I finally got my child to watch Finding Your Roots with me. I have been working on him for months and my husband. I haven't gotten David to watch it yet with me, but this is the show on public television hosted by Henry Louis Gates. And each episode, he works with two or three different people, usually celebrities or uh, football players or politicians or leaders, people who are known to most of us. And he helps trace their family trees. And they come from all different kinds of backgrounds. This particular episode we watched was featuring Angela Davis, who was a civil rights activist, a professor of law, And he was asking her what inspired her to become more active in the civil rights movement. And she talked about how growing up in Alabama, they used to ride in their car with their parents uh, by this amusement park. And they could see the children riding the rides, they could see the families eating the popcorn and the cotton candy, but they knew that they couldn't go there. This would have been the late 50s, early 60s, and because they were people of color, they couldn't get into the amusement park. And Angela Davis said that her mother, every time they drove by that place, would say, now children, the world isn't supposed to be like this. It's supposed to be better than this. And I want y'all to help make it better. And if you know Angela Davis's career, you know she worked really hard to make it better. And that's part of our job as the people of God to look around us and see what is not right, where there is oppression, where there is injustice, where there is struggle, and to do what we can to change it so it looks more like the kingdom of heaven on earth. I don't know about you, but I know this story of Angela Davis was decades ago, but I still see injustice everywhere all around us. At my former church, we we had a very active prison ministry, started by Bill Miller, actually, And there was a gentleman who we'd gotten to know at Riverbend, Maximum Security. He served 12 years there for a crime he did not commit. And finally, working with the Innocence Project, he got his sentence overturned. He was exonerated. And yet it still took them months to release him. And when they did release him, they gave him $20 and opened the door and let him out. Not a bus pass, no way to get into town, no plan to support and help him. Thank goodness the people of God at Christ United Methodist Church had built a relationship with him and with others. 
And so there was someone there to, to pick him up and take him to Shoney's breakfast bar and get him a hot breakfast, to take him to get his driver's license and work with him to find a job and to find lodging, closing that gap of injustice. It blows my mind that there are people who spend 12 years of their life in jail for a crime they didn't commit who were just set out on the street. There are things like that happening all around us, and we cannot heal every injustice. We can't right all the wrongs in our world, in our city, in our society, but we can have our eyes open and hearts open to where God might be gifting us particularly as a people to build a better world. Because that's what the prophet says. That's where he moves in the second part of this passage. I don't know if you notice the shift in pronouns, but he begins to say they will be repairers of the city. They will rebuild. They will repair. And it's inviting the people of God to be part of that building and reconciliation and recreation. And that's our calling too. That is one place where we are in this text. To join God in the reconciling, healing, working for justice in this world that God is all about. And there's one more place, at least for me, that I found myself in these words of the prophet. He says, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted. I think most of us know what it's like to be brokenhearted. Some of us, even now, in this moment, as we gather for worship, are here with a broken heart. All different reasons, but we know what it feels like to be broken open. And so we hear these words of the prophet and the promise that part of God's work in our lives and in the life of the world is binding up those broken hearts. And we can find in these words of the prophet words of hope and healing. I hope if you've come here today with a broken heart, you hear this word for you. That the God who is coming into the world in the birth of Christ is coming toward you with love and grace and power and healing. And when we come to face our own brokenheartedness, by some mystery of the Holy Spirit, we realize our connection to all other broken hearts and all those who suffer and sorrow in our world. It reminds us that we're all in this together. Though we suffer in different ways and in different reasons, though our tears fall for different things, we all are in it together. And we're all waiting for the coming of Christ. And so we can look at those places of injustice in the world and we can hear these words of Jesus and no longer see us and them, but that we're all in it together. And somehow that truth is at the very heart of joy. Knowing that God is with us, knowing that we are all connected to one another, knowing that even now God is at work in our lives and in our world with healing and justice and peace and hope. My friends, God has given us exactly what we need this Christmas. May it bring us deep joy.
that the world will never take away. Amen.